Hey everyone, my name is Jeff Oaks and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Reunion. When I was 16, I went on this camping trip. It was an expedition that really shaped my young life. It was an orienteering camping trip, which meant that first of all, we carried everything in on our backpacks with us, food, supplies, all that stuff. But, but then as a 16-year-old kid, me and my friends, we were charged with the task of figuring out how to get from one spot on a topographical map to the spot that we were supposed to be. And <laughs> that was incredibly challenging. I mean, none of us had ever used a topographical map before. And needless to say, we got really lost a lot. You know, it's been said that life is a journey. And if that's true, I wish someone would show me where I am on the map. I mean, can you relate to that? And I sometimes feel like I am lost. And man, on a week like this one, that's especially true. Just as a sidebar, this part's for free, but and I know we have people on both sides of the political aisle that participate in reunion. And I have to say that in a moment like we've experienced that as people who are followers of Christ, it is incumbent upon us to pave the way for the in-between space that exists between the, the factions on either side of our polarized country and find a way to love one another. Find a way to breach that in-between space and care for one another. We need to lead the way in that. And that's my prayer for our community. And that's, that's a sidebar, but man, it sometimes feels like we are way off course, doesn't it? I mean, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Have you ever said that? Or I thought I'd be better by now or wiser by now or kinder or more generous. Or I thought I'd have things figured out better by now. It's easy to feel that way. We are living in an in-between space. It's a disorienting time. And it's easy to feel displaced personally, as a country, certainly as a church. And so if you feel directionally uncertain right now, if you're feeling off balance, well, you are not alone. The struggle is real. All of us, to one degree or another, we're trying to get from where we once were to where we're supposed to be. We are navigating that in-between space, right? And if you've ever been to an amusement park, then you've probably seen one of those park maps that they give you at the entrance, right? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have one of those to get us through life? I mean, if I'm at Disney, you better believe I'm breaking out that map because I want to see where things are. I wanna see how things are laid out. If I go to a mall, I'd, I'd love to get to the directory of shops, right? Which is usually at major intersections in the mall. Not just because I like to see how the building is arranged, but because if I wanna to get to a specific destination, a store or an attraction, I need to know where it is. And what's the marker that everyone is looking for on that directory? It's that little sticker that says you are here. Of course, that's what we want to know. Where am I right now? 
Why? Because we need to know where we are first in order to get where we want to go. In any journey, it's important to know where you are. And if you don't know where you want to go, well, that's a problem too. It's like what the Cheshire cat said to Alice and through the looking glass. You know, if you don't know where you want to go, then it doesn't matter which path you take. If you don't know where you are, if you don't know where you want to go, then the decisions you make in this life, you don't have much significance. They don't matter a lot. None of us wants to live like that, do we? I sure don't. And so what I want to do today is I want to ask a couple of pretty poignant questions, I think. First is, where does God have us right now? Where are we? And secondly, where does God want to lead us? Where does he want us to go? And to help us out, I want to share a story for you from the Old Testament. It's found in uh, the book of 1 Kings. And the section of scripture we're going to look at is found in chapter 19, but it's important that you know the context of what happens in chapter 18 because it deals with this prophet of God whose name is Elijah. And Elijah has essentially, in chapter 18, won the Super Bowl of all prophetic events. I mean, he has, he has accomplished something that is the definitive moment of his life in terms of showing the people that God is God. See, uh, the people in that day had been convinced by the king and queen, you might be familiar with her name, it's Jezebel, uh, to begin worshiping false gods. And the prophets of Baal and Asherah uh, were leading the people astray. And essentially, Elijah sets up this contest on a mountain, uh, the Mount Carmel, where, where he asked the prophets of Baal and Asherah to build a, an altar and invite their God uh, to bring fire down and consume the gift on the altar. And then he does the same. And, and all morning long, the prophets of Baal are, are, are invoking their gods, they're in, in, encouraging their gods to burn up this uh, altar and the, the sacrifice that's on the altar. And the people of Israel watch all day long as they do this in vain. And and at points, Elijah actually is kind of mocking them, saying, you know what, maybe God's not listening, maybe he's not paying attention. And then after they've kind of spent all of their energy and are exhausted, Elijah gathers the sacrifice for his altar. It's 12 stones, each for the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he actually instructs the people to pour water on the offering. And he, he digs a trench around the, the altar, and it's filled with water that's overflowed from all the water that's been poured. And, and then he prays a simple prayer, you know, God, show yourself, prove to the people who you are. And a pillar of fire consumes the altar, licks up all the water that had been poured out. And on that day, definitively, God announced that he was the God of Israel. And Elijah won this incredible moment, right? You'd think after something like that, you know, after you've had like that mountaintop literal experience that you've drawn close to God, that you've acknowledged that he's done something special in your life. But if it's true in your life that sometimes those mountaintop moments 
immediately lead to a valley experience. Well, it was certainly true in Elijah's as well. He, he is chased out of the country by Jezebel and he runs in fear of his life. And ultimately he finds himself in desperation, asking God to just kill him off now. He believes that he's alone. Did that ever happen to you? Ever had an experience that seemed so great and it led to catastrophic moment that came next and you just felt alone? Maybe it seems like a finish line turned into the halfway mile marker. Maybe it feels like you're off course altogether. That's what happened to Elijah. And in our scripture for today, in chapter 19, we find him running for his life. This is 1 Kings 19, starting in uh, verse 5, or I'm sorry, 9. It says, Then Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And I love that question. Because you know that God doesn't ask questions because he needs to know the information, right? He's asking because we need the information. Elijah gets really defensive. He wants to play the victim, tell God a very sad story. In verse 10, he replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. Now they're going to kill me too. God doesn't respond to anything that Elijah says. Instead, verse 11, he says, go out, stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. A mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You know, sometimes we want God to do huge things. If you just do this huge thing for me, then I could trust you, God. If you would just take care of this you know, big thing over here, everything would be great. And so we're waiting for God to show up in a huge way. But instead, he shows up in a whisper. And the voice that spoke to Elijah said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Not because I need to know, but because you need to know. Elijah, you need to know where you are right now. That's what God is questioning Elijah about. Elijah, what are you doing here? And he's not mad at him. He loves him. But Elijah responds as though God maybe didn't hear him the first time. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God, aren't you listening? Why am I here in this in-between place? It feels like I'm off the map. I'm stuck. I'm alone been trying to serve you, and it's only caused me trouble. Have you ever been there? And I have. 
God doesn't respond to Elijah with anger or frustration. He says, go back the same way that you came. Go to the desert of Damascus where when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu king over Israel and anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You know what God is telling Elijah with those words? You're not alone, Elijah. God is reorienting Elijah's perspective on that mountain. He's showing him where he is on the map. This is where you are. You're with me, Elijah. And I'm God over the windstorm and the earthquake and the fire. I am Elijah, even in the silence, especially in the silence. I am with you. You're never alone. And oh, by the way, there are thousands of others who are with me too, Elijah. And on that mountainside, God reminded Elijah that he was not in it by himself. And that's true for us today too. You want to know where you are right now? Would you like God to show you where you are on the map? You're in the presence of the one who made you and who loves you. Even in this in-between space that we exist in right now, even in the silence, especially in the silence. And though you might feel discouraged right now, you are surrounded by a community of faith who is also with him. That's where you are. So that begs the question, where are we going? What's next for us? I mean, God gave Elijah some pretty clear instructions. What, what about for you and for me? There's this other great story in scripture that helps us un understand where God wants us to go. There's a man named Matthew in the New Testament who has become a follower of Jesus. Matthew wrote one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's his. And in his gospel, Matthew's gospel, in verse 9, he tells part of his own story. In verse 9, he writes, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so Matthew got up and followed him. Now I read that and I think to myself, who would do that? Who would just pick up all their stuff and head off if somebody said to follow him? I mean, he didn't even ask if he needed to pack a lunch or if he's gonna need some money or if he needed parental permission. I mean, he didn't know where he was going. Jesus simply said, follow me, be my disciple. Matthew says, I'm all in. Sometimes, we overcomplicate life. And I know that there's a lot that can get complicated. I mean, after this week, believe me, I get it. 
But the answer to where God wants us to go is not complicated, simple. Jesus said, take a step with me, follow me, walk with me, watch what I do. And if you want to know how to get where God wants you to go, it looks a lot like this. Follow Jesus. Follow him. Trust him with your life. And the gospel story is that God entered into our world. Jesus arrived, God in the flesh. He walked a path that shows us what God desires from us in our lives. And then he laid down his life. He gave his life in exchange for ours. And he took on our sin and shame so that we could be freed, forgiven, reunited with God. And when he calls us to be his disciples, he's saying, trust me. Trust me. If I've learned anything in my 25 years in ministry, it's that I can't take a step of faith for you, but I can come alongside and help you on the journey. And when Jesus says, take your next steps with me, you should follow him. That's what reunion's here for. We want to help you get from where you are now to where God wants to lead you. Our vision is for the entire Boston area to experience the transformative love of Jesus. That's why we want you to discover Jesus. Take that step of investigating who he is, reading scripture, testing to see if what he has to say is relevant and true for you. I believe that it will be. That's why we say become like Jesus. Put into action the life of love for neighbor and for enemy that Jesus modeled. And that's tough to do. If you're willing to become like Jesus, he walks with you through that. He's going to help us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And then do what Jesus did, right? Serve. Humble yourself. Be the person who offers your life generously as he did. And our mission is to help people find their way back to God. And that includes you. We want to come alongside as a church to support you on this journey of faith. When Elijah was stuck, when he felt alone and didn't know where to turn, his story wasn't over. God still had a direction for his life. So he showed up on the side of that mountain to remind Elijah that he was not alone. And ultimately, Elijah left that cave and he followed through with God's leading we should too. You might feel like Elijah right now, stuck and alone, like you've lost your place on the map. But God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Follow where he leads and let Jesus be your guide. Let's pray about that. Father, thank you for a chance right now to be reminded of where we are. We're with you, and you're with us, and we are surrounded by a host of others who are with you too. Help us not to feel alone, but to be reminded 
of your presence and the presence of those who are encouragers and support on this journey of faith that we're on. And help lead us, Father, to where you want us to go. Because our desire is to be faithful to where you call us, just like Elijah, just like Matthew. We want to be your disciples, Father, to love the way that you do. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.